we will continue our worship service with the reading of God's word. And to read God's word for us this morning is Melissa. Scripture reading today is 1 John 4, chapter, uh, verses 7 to 11. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you. So today's passage is a new passage. We are no longer in the book of Exodus as we have uh, wrapped that up uh, in the previous weeks. And today's passage comes from the book of 1 John as Melissa has just read for us. And it is about love. And I believe it is appropriate that we end this year of 2023, as Ryan was also mentioning during the liturgy, uh, as we reflect about this year, that we also reflect about the greatest commandment that God has given us, to love God and to love others. And so we'll look at what that looks like from our text. Now before we go into that, love is blind. That is a Netflix show. <laughs> I don't know, what a transition, right? <laughs> love is blind. It is a Netflix show that has recently aired again, season five, and I don't know if you guys watch it or not, I'm not up here to promote it or not promote it. I'm just saying it is an interesting show. I have seen snippets of it, I will say that. And it's an interesting show and, uh, because it's based off of a social experiment of bringing single men and single women together who are looking for love and they're looking for compatibility to get married. And here's the catch. You don't get to see the person that you want to marry until the day that you both agree to get engaged. Right? That's weird. Until that time comes, you can only get to know the other person better by talking to them behind a wall in these little pods with speakers installed. And uh, the point of this is to create a setting where people can find love that isn't so superficial or shallow and they have a chance to connect emotionally. Well, as relational beings, that is true that we all do want to be loved. We want to be loved in the most sincere and in the most genuine way, even if, for some, that comes in the form of a reality TV show. Receiving love is easy. Receiving love is easy. But giving love, is the hard part, to give it in a way that is authentic and not fake. In our letter today, the Apostle John is writing to the Christians in Ephesus to encourage them to continue in loving fellowship with one another in light of a recent split that took place as some people ended up leaving the church. And while others continue to stay, but they're spreading false doctrine and they're sowing discord among the community. Now, John doesn't tell the Christians to fight fire with fire, fire by retaliating back. Rather, 
he, he exhorts them to love one another. Now, if you're currently exploring the faith, this message, even though it was written to the Christians, I believe this message is just as much for you as it is for those who are Christians. And that's because it addresses one of the most fundamental questions that we must all face as human beings. How do you love someone well? And to answer that, our text today provides two things for us to consider. First, the source of love, and second, the cost of love. Firstly, the source of love. Now, here are some common definitions of love that we may be familiar with today. The romantic kind of love that exists between couples. The brotherly kind of love that may exist between friends or close friends. The familial kind of love that parents have toward children or vice versa. But these kinds of loves can still be limiting when it comes to loving someone well because we tend to love those that we think are worthy enough in our eyes, that are worth our time. In romantic love, don't we gravitate towards those who we are attracted to? Brotherly love, we, we tend to click with those where our personalities mesh really well and we have similar interests. Or in familial love, well, we identify with those who are our family or are like our family. But what happens when we begin to reach our limit? We reach our capacity in those relationships. How do we sustain our love then? Couples, as you know, can disagree and fight, leading uh, to that honeymoon phase starting to grow cold and stale. Friendships can sometimes have a falling out for a variety of reasons. Families can experience brokenness that may result in deep, deep hurts. When John writes in our text, dear friends, let us love one another, he's talking about a different kind of love that transcends the limitations of human love. He's talking about a love that seeks the benefit of the undeserving. He's talking about agape love, for love comes from God, because God is love. God speaks to us and reveals himself as the one who loves. The, uh, this agape love is inherent to the very nature and character of God. It is the purest, most sincere, most perfect love that can be ex only experienced and found in the original source of love, who is God. You cannot begin to describe God without addressing the loving nature of God, which has been revealed through the sending of His Son. God's love is not limited by the shortcomings of human love that are conditional or earned. For if you draw from your own capabilities and resources to sufficiently love those around you, you may eventually experience burnout. And maybe some of us have experienced that during this Christmas holiday with family and friends, and you just need some time alone. Imagine there's a cup here, 
This cup is filled with water. And if the water in the cup represents your reservoir for love, how many other cups can you fill before that reservoir eventually runs out? Have you ever experienced that happening to you? Perhaps some of you have been on the giving end and have reached the end of your reservoir and you're empty and burnt out from always trying to give out love. Maybe others of us have been on the receiving end and we haven't experienced a full cup in a very long time. Relying on human love can lead to disappointments. But agape love, this divine love in its fullest form comes from God. This is unadulterated love that has always been since the beginning of time between the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Such love is one where it seeks the glory of the other before one's own. Our triune God for all eternity has always loved and continues to love. And he reveals himself to us as the source of everlasting love that doesn't run dry, for love comes from God, because God is love. Let's go back to that picture, illustration of that cup of water. Now, instead of trying to share that water with others without running completely dry yourself, imagine Now, there to be a very big pitcher of unlimited water. And let that pitcher pour water into your cup until that cup begins to overflow. Then place another cup underneath yours until that cup begins to overflow. And then place another underneath that, and then another. That's what happens when the source of love becomes God and not us. You don't have to keep trying to scrape from the bottom of a barrel to try to give a little bit more. When the source of love is God himself, all you have to do is sit under his bountiful, unending, rich love being poured into your heart in the person and work of Jesus Christ and let that love overflow to others in your life. In our passage, John is not in any way excluded from his exhortation to his readers because he also includes himself when he says, let us, let us all love one another. Because you see, we have to remember John, in his earlier years when he followed Jesus, he was, he was the guy who wanted to call down fire on the Samaritans because they didn't receive Jesus. And so John is definitely no stranger to knowing how hard it can be to love others. But still, his call in the letter is for all believers to remember that love doesn't find its source from their own abilities, but it finds its source from God's transformative love. In fact, John goes on to say that everyone who loves with this love of God evidences that they are a child of God, that they are born again by by the Spirit, and that they know God, and they are in a relationship 
with God. In other words, our love to one another becomes a litmus test of true discipleship as a follower of Christ. That means love and our faith cannot be separated. Love and faith go hand in hand. Theologian John Calvin says, if anyone separates faith from love, it's as if he were trying to take away the heat from the sun. As love is a defining characteristic of God, those who have been born of God must also be defined by their love for God and their love for one another. For us today, then that calls for us to do a heart check. Are you loving others in your life that is easy and convenient according to your own terms? Or are you loving others as God defines love? Sincere, pure, looking to the benefit and interests of others before your own. Are you drawing upon God for such love? Jesus says that all the law and the prophets are summed up by these two commands, love God and love others. If you are a believer, hear that exhortation from God's word today and check to see if the source of your love is God or if it's coming from yourself. And if you're currently seeking or you're exploring the faith, consider the power the powerful love of God that not only fills your heart to the brim, but overflows into the lives of others. Would you open your heart to his love today? So the first way to love someone well is by letting the source of our love be an overflow of God's abundant love to us. And the second way to love someone well is by considering the cost of that love itself. The cost of that love. John tells us exactly how God shows his love. He writes, he sent his one and only son into the world as an atoning sacrifice for our sins so that we might live through him. When God scans the whole earth, he sees every single sin that's being committed against him behind closed doors, in the secret chambers of our hearts and of our minds. Nothing is kept hidden from his sight. Romans 1 says that although human beings knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator. This is sin. Sin is an act of rebellion against the sovereign God who is the creator of the entire universe. And in our sins, we have all consciously worshiped our own wants and our own needs before God. And in this way, we have not loved God. As John writes, we have not loved God. 
But in spite of our fallen and wicked condition, Scripture tells us today that this is how God loves us. He sends his one and only son into our world. Let's pause there. One and only. That means that God only had one son. He only had one son, and that son was of infinite worth to him. For all eternity, the father loved the son, and he was pleased with the son, with that perfect agape love. There is none more precious, more worthy of the father's love than the son. I recently became a father, and my daughter is now almost two months old. I love her a lot. For my wife and I, our entire lives have changed to revolve around her tiny little schedule, her tiny little life. When she cries and beads start forming in her eyes, we're there to feed her. When she squirms, we're there to help burp her or change her diapers. When she's tired, we're there to help rock her to sleep. However long that may take, we are there to rock her to sleep. Now, even though she doesn't, she doesn't really reciprocate the words, I love you back yet, that's okay. That's okay, because I'm going to keep loving her anyway. And why is that? That's because she's my daughter, and I don't need any other reason to love her than to simply just love her. Now, compared to the love that any earthly parent could possibly give to their child, the love of the Heavenly Father for His one and only Son is of infinitely greater worth, of greater value, of greater magnitude, and yet, God still chooses to send his son into our world to be an atoning sacrifice. This is not a demonstration of humanity deserving or earning God's love. We didn't do anything. We did absolutely nothing. We were enemies of God, in fact. Rather, this is a demonstration of God's love to us. He chooses to love us for no other reason but to love, because God is love. It is in his nature to love those whom he loves, even if they may have sinned against him and be at enmity with him. He still loves, and he loves sacrificially. He loves sacrificially God sends Jesus Christ, whom he had loved for all eternity, into our fallen world to be born into a manger as a vulnerable little baby, growing up and experiencing all of humanity, yet in perfect obedience to the Father, sinless, but ultimately to be handed over, to be crucified and killed at the hands of fallen men, the hands of you and I, all in accordance with the Father's love to save us. In Luke, the criminal who is hanging next to Jesus on the cross 
rightfully recognizes the magnitude of Jesus' death when he confesses, we are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve, talking about himself and the other criminal. But this man, Jesus, he has done nothing wrong. He's innocent. He's blameless. He doesn't deserve our manner of punishment and death. Yet Jesus hangs on the cross and dies for the sins of those he loves. Romans 5 says, Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's because sin has a cost. Romans 6 says that the wages of sin is death. And we have all sinned and we have all fallen short of the glory of God. And for that, there's a price that has to be paid. But God, in his love, steps in to pay that price. He prays, he pays that price for us at the infinite cost of himself as he sends his one and only son to be offered up as a sacrifice, to endure his holy wrath for our sins in our place so that we can be forgiven, so that we can be reconciled to him. Even though we were the ones who had sinned, the one who knew no sin became sin for us and died in our place so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And because of this, God is no longer against us, but God is for us. Romans 8 tells us, if God is for us, who can be against us. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? This is the love of God. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Love is not to be understood in terms of our love to God, but love is to be understood in terms of God's love for us, seeking the benefit of the undeserving at the cost of his one and only son, Jesus Christ, all so that you and I could have life through him and experience it to the full in his perfect, abounding love. Implications. If you are currently here and you're looking at Christianity, and you're considering the faith, hear this. There is such a thing as a perfect, genuine, sincere love that can be found in your life. That is the love of God. This is a love that you don't have to work for or earn because it was already paid for God by God himself to lavishly pour out to you. Because God is love, there is no other reason for him to love you than to simply love you. You were thought of. 
You were wanted by God himself, and he demonstrated that by sending his one and only son to die for your sins so that you can have a relationship with him. Would you look to his son, Jesus Christ, and open your heart to his love and allow it to transform your heart so that you can also love others like you've never done before? Let the source of your love become the overflow of God's gracious love for you. And if you are sitting here and you are a believer, a follower of Christ, consider the costliness of God's love that sacrificed his only son so that you and I might live through him. When John exhorts us at the end, he frames it by starting off with the reason why we are obligated to love one another. It is because God first loved us. This means that our understanding and capacity to love shouldn't be from uh, uh, shouldn't be the norm for the way we care for others in our community. When John says we ought to love one another, he's calling for a love that's grounded in God's perfect and sacrificial love in Christ. Christ's costly sacrifice uncaps an artesian well of selflessness in which believers find resources for sacrificial love and care for each other. Professor of New Testament, uh, Robert Yarbrough, says that when he talks about God's love. We are called to love sacrificially and selflessly. In this, we should always be looking out for the needs of others before our own. Two practical ways. One, at the heart of Christ's atoning sacrifice, there is forgiveness. There is forgiveness. We are recipients of God's forgiveness of our sins. And now we've been born again by his spirit, and we have come to know God. And so, as a result of that, who might God be asking you to forgive in your life today? Who might God be asking you to be reconciled to today? I know these are extremely tough questions. And maybe you might say that right now, it is not the right timing. Rightfully so. It may not be the right timing. But would you still consider bringing this up in your prayer time with God as you pray for the other party so that you can begin your journey of forgiveness in Christ if you haven't done so already? Forgiveness is one practical way that we can love others. Number two, when, God, when Christ came into the world, he came not to be served, but to serve, and he ultimately offered up his life as a ransom for many. As followers of Christ, how can you lay down your life in the way you spend your time, in the way you spend your money, in the way you spend your resources, to meet the needs of those around you. Perhaps the Lord is revealing to you certain coworkers, friends, family members, or neighbors who may be in need. Whatever it may be, loving others is costly and it can be immensely difficult. But 
God's word tells us that it isn't optional. God commands us to love because everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. A believer cannot come into a real relationship with a loving God without being transformed into a loving person. That's why the fruit of the Spirit in a believer's life begins with love. And so, as we close out this year of 2023, and we look forward to 2024, may we all consider how we can love others in the same way that our God has loved us by sending his one and only son, Jesus Christ, into this world. Let us pray. Father, we give you thanks for your merciful, gracious, steadfast love that you have poured into our lives by sending your son, Jesus Christ, as an atoning sacrifice to die for our sins so that we might live through him. For those of us who don't know you yet, who, have, who do not know the love of Christ, we pray that you may reveal the love of Christ into our hearts in a profound and deep way that transforms us as we experience your love in a new way in this upcoming 2024 year. For those who are followers, we pray, O oh God, that you may help us to consider the love of Christ. And may we dwell on that love. And may we also be enriched by that love. May we sit under that love. And may that love begin to overflow to the other people uh, in our lives. Help us to do this more and more as we continue to grow in your love day after day. And all these things in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, we will be transitioning into a time, normally we do Q&A, but uh, Howard has specifically requested that we do an extra long session <laughs> of the Lord's Supper. And I think it is an appropriate time to end this year uh, as we now move to uh, the Lord's table. And so, Howard, if you uh, come on up and lead us uh, in communion, that would be great. <laughs>